Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. My name is Gary Davenport. Tonight we are going to get into the NFL Draft, which is only two weeks and one day away. Soon enough we will know where this year's best and brightest young football players will begin their NFL careers. As always, I am joined by a man who knows more about the NFL Draft than United Airlines knows about public relations. I'm talking about my man, Todd Lasky. How are you doing this evening, Todd? I'm doing very well, all things considered, sir. Uh, anxiously awaiting my son's wedding coming up in about a month, so little uh, tight on the pocketbook, if you were. So I've been doing a lot of studying myself with this draft coming up, looking forward to a, a very interesting turn of events that I think will happen at the draft. Well, here's hoping that none of your people, when they fly in Minnesota for the nuptial festivities, are flying United because, you know, you're pretty much taking your life into your own hands if you do that before you even get off the ground. Well, exactly. Uh, uh, either you better have a big case of uh, security guards around you or uh, find another route, folks. Let's just stay away from United for just a little bit. Hey, you know what? Given the amount of the settlement he's apt to get out of this fiasco, I'd take the butt kicking for a million bucks. I mean, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> Bounce me off the floor of the plane a couple times, drag me out by my feet. There's seven figures at the end of that rainbow. <laughs> Sign me up. Before we get into the NFL draft tonight, we're going to cover the signal callers and everyone's favorite position. In the NFL draft, if you're a fantasy football fanatic, the tailbacks. A little bit of news today that pertains to the NFL draft. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that there's belief among some NFL front offices, at least one NFL executive, anonymous, of course, said that he's not sold on the idea, which is pretty much the general consensus, that the Cleveland Browns are going to select Texas A&M edge rusher, Miles Garrett, number one overall. I believe it was also Shepard who tweeted a little bit later in the day that there's something of a rift in the Cleveland front office with some people saying, as most people are, that Garrett is the guy at number one and others saying North Carolina quarterback Mitch Trubisky. So let me first ask you this, Todd. In your opinion, is there anyone who should be that number one overall pick who is not named Miles Garrett? Not at all. Uh, I actually think that this could possibly be a scheme of sorts by the Browns to throw the NFL on its ear, as it were, and maybe create some possible doubt within other teams and have them see what they offer to move up in a trade, even though the Browns already have 806 picks in this coming draft. They're still maybe trying to acquire more or higher picks. They have four of the first 52 picks this year. And I think if it falls the way I think it would, they would be very happy to get a quarterback at number 12, trying to float some ideas out there to see if they can get some more trade value. I know that, one, it would be the most Browns thing ever to do something. I mean, the Browns have made an art form 
of screwing up first-round picks, especially multiple first-round picks. They don't like to just screw up one pick a year. They like to get two picks and then screw both of them up. So this would be just the Browns as the clowns got a clown. So I'm wary as a Browns fan because it sounds like something that's just stupid enough to be true. But I, I'm, the San Francisco 49ers have to – their general manager, John Lynch, has to be just sitting there just praying on a maroon and gold altar that the Browns would pass on Garrett at number one because I, he would trip over himself and quite possibly tear a ligament in his knee running to turn in the pick with Miles Garrett on it because the 49ers are moving to a four-man front in 2017. They want to kind of mirror Seattle's defense, and Garrett would be perfect in that Leo pass-rushing role. Oh, it would, it would be a gift. The gift that keeps on giving is Garrett goes on to have what I think everyone thinks is going to be a Pro Bowl career. Now, granted, nothing is guaranteed. But, I mean, we saw the kind of buzz that Jadavian Clowney generated heading into the NFL draft. And I hear a lot of people compare Garrett's athleticism a little bit to Clowney's. And, yes, it's taken Clowney a little bit to kind of get his sea legs underneath him, largely due to injuries. But I think we started to see last year maybe what he could kind of be capable of. And you look at a guy like Mario Williams, I don't know if Mario ever necessarily lived up to that number one overall pick, but he had a pretty good NFL career. He had some very big seasons in Houston and Buffalo. So I just, you look at this draft and you look at the class, I mean, Garrett to me just, he's just, I don't know if I'd say head and shoulders above everybody else because there are some other very talented players at the top of the first round like Jamal Adams. You know, maybe a guy like Solomon Thomas. You know, there's some talent. There's talent at a lot of positions. I mean, if you're not, if you're looking for offensive linemen in this year's draft, maybe not so much. But it's just about every other spot. There's some. But Garrett is just, oh, just this his quickness. And the Browns are also making that switch to a four-three front this year, and they need defensive end help. And there's your guy. You put him. At one end of that line, you put Emmanuel Ogba at the other end, at the strong side of that line, and you've got something to work with. I mean, there's the, that could be the foundation of your pass rush for the next five, six years. So just don't mess it up. And that's no offense to Mr. Trubisky, which I now have another question for you, Mr. Latsky. Is Mr. Trubisky the number one quarterback in this year's class? Well, I think it's going to be based a lot on what the team's what they are looking for in a quarterback. If they think that they can groom, uh, then maybe he is. But if they got to play somebody right away, then maybe he isn't. Uh, let's, let's remember, he only started one year in college. Uh, he, he does have a lot of tools, but I also think that he could probably use a little bit more experience uh, and maybe learn underneath uh, somebody for a year. So I think it's actually very interesting. I think quarterbacks could drop uh, – a lot more than most people, and once they start dropping, then I could, I think you could see a slew of teams trying to trade up to nab one of these quarterbacks. Whether you like Trubinsky or whether you like uh, Watson, uh, you know, I just think there's a lot of steps that are going to take place. You know, you had mentioned San Fran running up to the podium if Garrett falls. Well, I still think San Fran takes a defensive end at number two. And you already mentioned his name, Solomon Thomas. So right away, I think it's defensive end, defensive end, first two picks. 
it looks like Adams and number three goes to Chicago. All of a sudden, you're starting to see defensive players going off the board right away and the quarterback slipping, where then you can possibly see the trade scenarios take into effect. I think quarterbacks will slip a little bit. I will freely admit I am a Deshaun Watson guy so far as this year's quarterbacks go. I'm hoping against hope that he's still sitting there at number 12 and that Cleveland takes him. It's nothing against Trubisky. I think he can be a decent NFL quarterback. I just watch him win football games. I don't know a better way to put it than that. He might not have the best arm in this year's class. He might not have – you know, Deshaun Kaiser's cannon or the size of some of these other guys, but he's consistently shown the ability to win football games at college football's highest level, that ability to kind of put the team on your back and carry them to victory if need be. I mean, we just saw him in his last game pull off a last-second come-from-behind, quote-unquote, miraculous win over the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, I mean, that matters to me, and I just – I look at him, and I think if the Browns don't take him, it's going to be something that they regret, which means they won't do it. I agree with you that I don't necessarily – I have done one mock draft this year, and I had Thomas going to the 49ers at number two. I think if a quarterback were to get taken in that spot, it would be because San Francisco traded back. You know, I don't know that the Bears are going to be looking at that position given the money that they just handed to Glennon. And at least if you go by the perception – you know, NFL front offices are just a little lukewarm on this year's class. They're, they're not as high on this year's class. Let's say the class of 2018 under center. I do think I do agree with you that we're going to reach a certain point. You know, I've seen mock drafts where a quarterback doesn't even come off the board until 17th or 18th pick. That's not going to happen. I mean, we're going to reach a point where you get to the 8th, ninth, 10th pick, where if all those quarterbacks are still on the board, like you said, teams are going to swing a deal to move up there and grab that guy they want because NFL teams are just so desperate. I mean, there are two kinds of teams in the NFL, teams that have a franchise quarterback and will do anything to keep him, and teams that don't have a franchise quarterback and will do anything to get one, including talk themselves into – I mean, look what we saw last year with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. I mean, I don't know. No one was doing backflips about them as can't-miss Andrew Luck-type prospects, and yet we saw the Los Angeles Rams – and the Philadelphia Eagles both mortgaged their futures so that they could move up in that first round and grab them. And I, could, I can't say it's not possible that if a team is willing to give Cleveland a godfather offer like that this year, that the Browns wouldn't do it again. I mean, especially if they're not completely sold on Miles Garrett. So it's going to make for a very interesting first round. And it's since we got the new rookie pay scale and everything, we've been seeing a lot more trades, especially in the first round draft. I don't necessarily know that this year is going to be any different. Why don't you go ahead and give me, say, your top three quarterbacks from a fantasy football perspective. Fantasy football is what we do here. Yeah, I I totally agree with you uh, on the number one. In my book, it has been Watson for quite a while because of what you said. He wins games. Um, he's done it against the very top competition. He's played Alabama for two straight years in big bowl games. He's performed very well against Alabama. And we all know Alabama's always had a stout defense. That hasn't missed him one bit. He's very, very he's just winning. A starter in Clemson the last two years. I think your best option by far is Watson 
Uh, I think Trubisky is number two, but I think he's going to have to go to somebody and learn. He's, he's, whether it's a coach that can coach him up or he learns under a player like Carson Palmer, um, he's going to have to learn a little bit because he doesn't have all the experience that we're looking for. Uh, I think uh, the number three quarterback is where it gets really interesting. Uh, Mahomes is making a lot of moves coming up from Texas Tech, but they've got that wide-open offense that has not produced very well as far as the quarterbacks within the NFL. And Kaiser, in two years at Notre Dame, he's had a losing record. I'm not so sure on him either. Uh, I actually think that there might be some other guys down, further down that I would prefer to take and hold off on quarterback and draft other positions. I think it's heads and tails, Watson and Trubisky at one and two. Number three is very much in the air for me. Okay, let me ask you this, and I think I already know the answer, but I just want to confirm it. Is there a rookie quarterback this year that you can see landing in a situation where he'd have redraft value, or is this kind of similar to last year with Wentz and Goff? Is this year where your rookie quarterbacks are essentially going to be resigned to dynasty leagues, and they're just not going to have value for redraft owners? Well, the, the only one I would consider, and this is – Going with your best-case scenario with your hometown team, Cleveland Browns, and that would be if Watson goes there at number 12 and Josh Gordon is reinstated and the Browns keep him, well, then he's got a couple of options to work with. But only then he would be a backup. He would not be a starter. You have to wait and see how he performs, but he would be the only one that I would consider at this point in time. I I won't argue with you a bit that number three is where things get more. I mean, Kaiser, you look at his size, you know, he's got that height that NFL scouts drool over. Might have the strongest arm, just pure arm strength, of any quarterback in this year's class. All the throws, you know, everyone likes to say, can he make all the throws at the NFL level? Absolutely. He can hit the sidelines, throw it 60 yards. Now, he'd probably throw it 60 yards on his knees. And he will make some throws that just leave you like, wow, that's a big, that's an NFL throw right here. But then he'll make a throw that just leaves your jaw on the floor because you're like, what was he thinking? You know, he'll sail it or one-hop it or throw it into triple coverage. And, and like you say, he did not have a winning record. Notre Dame was a team. And I know that Notre Dame sometimes the expectations just don't match the reality. People just expect Notre Dame to win even if they're not very good. But <laughs> I think success is important to a quarterback. Mahomes, I'm I'm conflicted about him. It's it's hard to judge. He's another guy who made some bad decisions with the football. I know he threw for 18 million yards at Texas Tech, but everybody throws for 18 million yards at Texas Tech. So I don't. I'm kind of with you. I mean, if I'm looking at Mahomes and Kaiser, I almost think there are some guys that I could wait a little bit longer to get. That uh, even if I don't. Some I might even feel better about, but even if I don't necessarily feel better about that guy, I don't feel so much worse about him that to me it's worth burning that first-round pick to get a Mahomes or a Kaiser. I will confess, my guess is we'll see at least four guys go in the first round. I think we'll see Watson, Trubisky, Mahomes, and Kaiser probably all get there. And we could see five. I wouldn't be surprised if Davis Webb snuck in there because that's another guy that seems to be seems to have a lot of positive momentum working in his favor as we move forward the draft. And once again, teams are just so desperate at quarterback. 
that they'll talk themselves into, you know, they might, they could go into draft night thinking to themselves, okay, this is what we're going to do in round one. We're going to short the offensive line or we're going to get an edge rusher or we're going to look to the secondary. And then they're sitting there at 23 or 24 and that quarterback's still there and the phone rings from a team that's picking at the front end of round two and they want to hop up seven or eight spots and grab that guy. So time will tell. Is there a mid-round quarterback, let's say a quarterback who's not expected to go in round one. We'll just say that because I don't know, mid-round quarterback. We'll get to the, the later draft quarterbacks are definitely kind of a Hail Mary type of deal. Is there, let's say, a day two quarterback that you look at and say, hey, that guy has the tools to be a successful NFL starter? Well, uh, yeah, there's actually a couple that I like. Uh, you know, it's really too bad that Chad Kelly uh, was not able to go and perform at the combine because I think a lot of people, a lot of people earlier in the season were thinking he was a first round quarterback, and then he had some issues. He's got, he's got hurt, you know, and he wasn't able to go to, and perform at the combine, and then he got hurt at his pro day. Uh, I think he's one guy that he could possibly sneak into the day two and be a possible sleeper. I also think Brad Kaya out of Miami, uh, he's got a lot of potential there. Uh, he, he did win some games there. I, I think he's a nice sleeper also on uh, day two, whether it's round two or round three. I think both of those guys offer some sleeper potential. Kaya's a guy that's interesting to me. I don't. It wouldn't surprise me that much if Chad Kelly falls to day three. Although, once again, quarterback desperation, so I wouldn't be surprised once again if somebody talks themselves in. Because, I mean, Kelly, obviously he's got the bloodline, quote-unquote. I don't know if that matters, but Jim Kelly's his uncle. And had some great games. I mean, but even in the great games, like when the Alabama game last year, it's kind of a perfect microcosm for Chad Kelly. Threw for over 400 yards. I think he threw three touchdown passes. Ole Miss races out, so I think it was a 24-3 lead. But then he had two turnovers that were returned for touchdowns. He's another guy that's got a little bit of that gunslinger thing going on, and that can be great when it works. But it can also – he'll make a throw where you go, did you not see the four defensive backs that were standing right there in that area? And, like, obviously there's a lot of off-the-field stuff with him. There was a brawl in high school. There was the fight at the bar in Buffalo that got his combine invitation revoked, which I don't – I understand what the NFL is trying to do there, although I think it's more public relations than anything. I just don't see how – now, it hurt Kelly, I think, more than Joe Mixon. But I don't see how not letting Joe Mixon come to the combine really punished him. You know, he didn't have to go to those interview sessions then and sit there and answer for what he did and explain and teams didn't get really good. So now I'm sure plenty of teams have had a chance since then to bring him in for a visit and grill him about it. But the combine gives everyone a chance to do that. And I just – the rule about the – if you've been arrested, blah, 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 and it seems like they kind of applied it arbitrarily. Some players that had been arrested were allowed to go to the combine, and then guys like Kelly weren't. And Kelly was actually invited to the combine to begin with and then told, don't bother to come. I'm not a big fan of the rule. Kelly's, there are a lot of kind of mid-range guys that could go anywhere from the second round to the fourth or fifth. That are I mean, if you put those guys in the right situation and maybe give them a year, you know, after what we saw last year in Dallas, everyone is looking for, quote, unquote, the next Dak Prescott. 
So among this year's quarterback class, Todd, is there a player that stands out and you say, that's the diamond in the rough. That's the guy you want to get on your team. That's the guy who is going to surprise people and start NFL games. Uh, the only other one that really comes out to mind at the top of my head right now is Nate Peterman out of Pittsburgh. Uh, not a lot of people are talking about him, but he had a pretty good performance throughout the year. Uh, I think he's slowly climbing up draft boards, even though he's not a big name. Uh, I think he's one that could very well surprise some teams early in his career. I think uh, Gerard Evans at Virginia Tech is a guy that's kind of interesting to me. He put up some pretty good numbers for the Hokies last year. He's a, like Prescott, he's a quarterback that can hurt teams with his legs. I think he had over 800 rushing yards and like 12 touchdowns on the ground. And same thing with Josh Dobbs out of Tennessee. Now, I think Dobbs is a little bit farther away from being a quote-unquote finished product. I think he's got definitely needs a little more seasoning, but he's got the arm, he's got the mobility, he's showed some real flashes. I think at points last year, people were expecting that Dobbs would go a lot earlier than this year's draft than day three, which is probably when he's going to. But, you know, there are so many things that have to fall into place just so especially for a quarterback to have the sort of success Prescott did as a rookie. I mean, it wasn't just a matter of the fact that he's a talented young quarterback, although obviously he is. You know, he landed in a situation where you're playing behind arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. A great running game to take pressure off you. I mean, it just is a perfect storm for him. And I know everyone, you'll hear a lot of the next Dak Prescott over the next couple weeks, just like you'll hear which sixth-round quarterback could be the next Tom Brady. There's not going to be another. You're not going to sixth-round five-time Super Bowl winners don't come around very often. So I don't know that I'd be holding my breath waiting for that to happen. There's there's a fair amount of talent this year at the court. I don't know. This year's class kind of lacks. There's no Andrew Luck. There's no guy that you look at and say, okay, that guy is going to be a pro bowler. But I do think there's a fair amount of depth at the position. And so teams make smart use of it. And just like every other year, it's all about picking that right guy. So it's going to be – I still think I'm going to stand by – now, you know what, I think I'm going to go five quarterbacks in the first round getting drafted because every, it's quarterback fever. And this isn't a good draft for offensive linemen, so I don't think we're going to see, you know – most drafts, you'll see, what, four or five tackles come off the board in round one. This year, there might be three. Uh, the offensive line crop this year is not yeah. good. Do you need a left tackle this year? Good luck. That's one of the reasons why – it's one of the reasons we saw guys like Reese and Rammers and all the free ads. So many of the free agent tackles this year got just ridiculous contracts. And I think part of that was teams looked at the draft class and said, well, I'm not going to be able to help my team out, at least in the short term, at tackle in the draft. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to do a free agency. And it worked out really well. I mean, Russell Okung is now the top paid tackle in football in terms of average annual salary. That makes sense. Well, as you said, uh, you know, there's a lot of possible depth there. Uh, I think that's also a reason why some of those big-name free agents at running back are still out there because, and how's this for a segue, there's so many good options at running back in this year's draft. Oh, there is. It's a nice, 
I mean, and it's got everything. Now, granted, I don't know that any of the – although, I mean, some might argue there are some high-end prospects this year that are kind of approach Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think from a fantasy perspective we're necessarily going to see the cartwheel-inducing joy that we got last year when Dallas selected Ezekiel Elliott and we knew he was going to be running behind that line. I think our best chance of that happening this year would be if the Marshawn Lynch talk and the Adrian Peterson, you know, the whoever veteran free agent talk in Oakland dies off and we see the Raiders select a tailback, say, in that first couple rounds, of their, you know, then you've got that potential situation where a guy could – it's a best-case scenario. Now, obviously, I think we're going to see at least – Oh, man, I don't even know. Because you've got guys like McCaffrey who are kind of wild card. How many tailbacks do you think will go in the first round next year? I think I think there's four for sure. Uh, it would surprise me if there's one or two more to sneak in. Uh, the, I've seen four different running backs ranked first in some different experts' polls or rankings for this coming draft class. So there's four very nice running backs, even though a run of them, and you had mentioned him, has got a lot of off-field issues as well, and Joe Mixon, and he's already off of some teams' draft boards altogether. But some people think that he is the most talented back coming out in this year's draft class, and that's saying something when you've got three other studs that we've got in this class, how good this class is. This is a very, very nice running back class. I see at least four, but, again, I see a lot of running backs going in day two. I, I could see at least 10 running backs going in day two. So that means around two and three. And you're talking just a few years ago when we weren't even having having one running back taken in the first round. Remember Bishop Sankey? And now yeah. we're talking now we're talking four or maybe more in the first round, and you're talking a slew more in the set, on the set, day two. Uh, yeah, this is a very nice, deep running back class. Yeah, and I think we've seen, you know, these past couple of years, once, you know, we had that stretch where no running backs were going in the first round. And then the Rams took Todd Gurley, what, 10th overall. He had a very nice rookie season, went over 1,000 yards for the Rams. And then obviously we see Zeke come out last year at number four and lead the NFL in rushing. So I think that's making teams feel a little bit better about spending that first-round pick on a running back. And I also think teams are looking at if you take him, if you take that back in that first 32 pick, you're not going to have to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, Zeke's making pretty decent coin, but not the sort of money that he would have before the new CDA. Plus, you get that fifth-year option. I mean, you pick up that fifth-year option, by the time you have to really worry about free agency for that running back, they're 27 years old. Tack on a franchise tag if you want to go that direction. 28, that's the age where most backs start to decline. I feel bad for the backs because I think we're going to see a lot of guys who don't necessarily get the kind of money that we're – I don't think we're going to see another Adrian Peterson contract anytime soon at the running back no, position. But it's, it works out really well for the NFL teams, that's for sure. Yeah, that Adrian so contract is going to be – my number one is Fournette. I, I think he's got all the tools. I think he goes at number four. Um, I just wow. think he fits perfectly. Yeah, I think he fits fits in very nicely at number four. Uh, I think that that's going to be a sign of things possibly to come in the future. But, yeah, I like him very much um, going to Jacksonville at number four. Uh, it's going to help take a little bit of pressure off of uh, Blake Bortles, as we all know. 
He seems to have a small problem with turnovers, and that'll help keep defenses just a little bit more honest. I think he's a very nice fit in Jacksonville. Yeah, I've seen him mock to Jacksonville a few places before. I've seen him mock as high as San Francisco at two, and that was recently. There's some rumblings out of San Fran that the new regime there is not in there. They don't necessarily think Carlos Hyde is the answer and that they might move on. Now, I don't know that we'll see Fournette go at the second overall, but I do agree with you that he's not making it out of the top ten. I don't think. And he's probably my number one back. I think the only way that I would probably rank Dalvin Cook ahead of Fournette, I think it depends kind of on what your offense does. You know, what are you looking for? If you're looking for between the tackles, you know, one cut, run the ball right up the field, conventional Ezekiel Elliott-type power runner, then Fournette is your guy. If you're going to run a spread-em-out offense where you're going to want to use your running back a lot as a receiver, so on and so forth, then I could see making at least making a case for Dalvin Cook. I think he might have a little bit more well-rounded skill set than Fournette. But, I mean, we've, we've, been, we've watched Fournette tear up college football for the last couple of years. I mean, I think two years ago, after the great season he had in 2015, even as Ezekiel Elliott got ready for the NFL draft and he wound up being a top-five pick, I think if you'd ask ten people who's going to be the better NFL player, Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette, half of them would have said Fournette. Yeah, I, I can't argue that. Not one bit. So who's your number two, Dalvin Cook? Yeah, Dalvin Cook is my number two. I actually think that he could uh, slide down to number eight, and then Carolina jumps for joy and p- picks him up to be the uh, replacement for Stewart when he is uh, said and done in Carolina. <laughs> I tell you what, if Carolina pulls the trigger on Dalvin Cook at number eight, I think the replacement for Jonathan Stewart might be coming in uh, 2017. <laughs> yep. Which is good. I mean, for us fantasy football, I would prefer that. I don't want to see, you know, especially if you've got a high dynasty pick, and, you know, we're probably going to see. I wouldn't be at all surprised if those are the top two picks in dynasty league or those two running backs. There's some excellent wide receivers this year, but given the, what those backs are capable of, my money would be on those guys being the number one and number two pick. You got that top pick in the dynasty draft. That's because your team's not very good. So that running back having that clear path to early snaps, that's how you get things turned around. He ain't doing you no good. It's, oh, we're grooming him for next year. Yeah, that doesn't help you. That's not helpful, guys. Who's your three? Uh, well, it's Christian McCaffrey. He's coming from a bloodline where his dad, Ed McCaffrey, played for Denver and won a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, he's not as big as the other two guys. He's a little bit smaller, but he's one of those guys that's a very dangerous weapon in open space. Uh, so he's great out of the backfield catching passes. He can also line up out wide. He's, he did it several times in college, performs well in that uh, particular spot, and he's a, a very viable punt and kick returner. Uh, McCaffrey is going to be a one of those guys that if a coach can develop a scheme or has a scheme to utilize his assets, he could be a very formidable formidable pick uh, and a very nice tool in the spread offense. Um, some teams that come to mind, obviously, New Orleans has done that for years with several of their backs. 
Uh, it sounds like AP is still visiting there. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I didn't think that that was a great fit for AP anyway, but he would be a nice fit there. I could also see him possibly going to the Colts. I could see him going to the Chiefs. I could see him going to the Eagles. There's a lot of teams I could see McCaffrey fitting and having a nice role. I think from a fantasy perspective, obviously it's going to be helpful for McCaffrey's value if you're in a league that awards a point for catches. I mean, because we're going to see him catch the ball out of the backfield a lot. But, he's, you know, he's a very talented kid, and I think people underestimate a little bit his ability to you know, pick up yardage between the tackles. Yes, he's not as big as Alvin Cook or Leonard Fournette, but he's not a midget either. I mean, he's not tiny. I think he'll do just fine at the NFL level. And like you said, it just speaks to the depth of – it's going to be interesting to see where some of these guys land on the 27th because you know, so much – I mean, we can talk about these guys and their talent until we're blue in the face, but the fact is, at least from a fantasy perspective, a large percentage of what kind of value they're going to have is going to be tied to situation. And we just don't mm-hmm. have that information yet. Although the first show in May, I'm pretty sure I know what we'll be talking about. All right, who you got at number four? At number well, I, I I still think Joe Mixon is worthy of it, even though he's off of some teams' draft boards. He does have every tool that that running backs need. He can he can blitz pick up. He can catch the ball. He, obviously, he's a great runner. He's got vision out in the field. Uh, he's got the total package. A lot of teams would be scared off of him. So you're going to have to your decision-making and your coaching and be able to coach this kid up and keep him on an even keel and trust that he is not going to do anything else again. Uh, Mixon is a very solid all-around player. I, like I said, I've seen a lot of people have him ranked first overall as running back. So I think Mixon is going to be a steal when, when somebody finally decides to pull the trigger on him. Yeah, I think Mixon's more talented than Alvin Kamara. But with Kamara, you don't have the headaches and have to worry about that stuff with Mixon. So I wouldn't be that surprised to see Kamara leapfrogging. I wouldn't be super surprised to see Mixon leapfrog McCaffrey, like you said. I mean, the talent is undeniable, but so is. And what he did was absolutely disgusting and should never have happened. And you have to ask it. I mean, was it a one-shot deal? Was it just a kid doing something terrible and making a mistake? Or was it indicative of a larger problem? And, you know, we've seen that movie before with a running back out of Nebraska named Lawrence Phillips who wound up dying in prison. So, I mean, I don't want to say that fate is coming for Joe Mick. I'm simply mentioning that we've seen this movie before and it did not end well. And don't think for a moment, that NFL teams have that Lawrence Phillips haven't crossed their mind because I'm sure it has. Yeah, All right, why don't you rattle so. off a why don't you rattle off a couple of those day two guys that you were talking about, guys that stand out to you from a fantasy perspective? Because you know now we're getting into the mid part of that first round of rookie drafts or even toward the end because we're gonna see wide receivers and we'll talk about those next week when we get into the pass catchers. You know, there are some very talented. It's another nice wide receiver class, so obviously some of those guys will be coming off in round one. But as you get toward last year's playoff teams in fantasy dynasty teams, who are some of those day two running backs that you look at and say, that's the guy that can make a short term, that's the guy that can make a quick impact at the NFL level? Well, you had already mentioned Kamara. Uh, he was my number five. So obviously you and I are right in the same ballpark with him. Um, 
there's a teammate for Mr. Mixon uh, from Oklahoma, uh, Perrine. Uh, he's a uh, shorter, but he's uh, very thickly built at 235 pounds, even though he's only at 5'10". I think he could actually be a very nice uh, option. Kareem Hunt from T- Toledo looks like he's got the total package. I think he could be a very nice fit. And last year's uh, rushing leader, Dante Foreman from Texas, uh, he's another very big guy. He's going almost 250, but he's got the tools to be a very uh, good north and south runner. And then there's one guy from Ohio State, uh, kind of similar to McCaffrey, only not as much. But some people have been comparing him a lot to Percy Harvin, and that would be uh, Curtis Samuel out of Ohio State. Uh, he can be one of those guys that you can just kind of line up all over the field and uh, make several plays for you during a given week. Mike Foreman quite a bit. And like you said, he's, that's a bruiser right there, folks. That's, that's the guy that's about getting his hat dirty. Although I think and a lot of you'll hear, especially with the bigger backs, well, he doesn't have great top-end speed. Okay, he's not going to win any foot races. There are plenty of successful running backs in the NFL who aren't winning any foot races. And just because his 40 time isn't great, I hate – there's a difference between 40 yard fast and football fast. So I, I think it'd be, and he led FBS in rushing, and there's something to be said for that. I also agree, Perrine. I mean, obviously, his he's not as talented as Mixon, and he gets overshadowed a lot, but he's a very talented young running back in his own right. So I think he's a guy that can contribute. Samuel is going to be really interesting because, and, and we may not even know this when rookie draft time rolls around what his positional eligibility is going to be. I mean, is he going to be a running back or is he going to be a wide receiver? And if he does get positional eligibility as a wide receiver for fantasy purposes, is he going to be that Ty Montgomery type, that guy who, yeah, he lines up out wide, but he also spends – and I could see that with Samuel. I could see him, you know, lining up out wide in some formations and in the backfield and others, especially on third downs. And if you could get that kind of bump in touches in a PPR league, you know, we saw what Ty Montgomery was able to do for fantasy owners last year. So I'm very intrigued by Curtis Samuel. Obviously, I watched a ton of him at Ohio, because I'm an Ohio State slappy, incredibly gifted runner when he's in the open field. Kind of like what you mentioned with McCaffrey, I think a lot with Samuel is going to depend on his landing in a spot with an offensive coordinator that knows how to use him. It doesn't try to cram that square peg into that round hole. And, and unfortunately, by no means is that a certainty. I mean, we've seen plenty of talented young players who teams just said, okay, this guy is going to do this, bonk, 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 and he breaks the peg. So I hope that doesn't happen with Curtis Samuel. Now, I wouldn't be stunned. I think Samuel will be a second-round pick, but he's one of those guys that I think could kind of sneak into that back end of the first – it's very interesting little chess piece if you know how to use it. So can't wait to find out. Enjoy the and, uh, Yeah, I was going to go do. I was going to do the Ohio I State do, spring I, game this weekend, but oh yeah, I saw you were going to that. Go that sounds like that could be a lot of fun. Uh, I also have one more sleeper, uh, and you got to pray for this kid. He's had all kinds of issues uh, dealt to him in the past. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking uh, about. Uh, James Conner from Pitt. Uh, imagine that. Yep. I went sleeper. I went sleeper Pittsburgh quarterback and sleeper Pittsburgh uh, running back. But James Conner coming off of Hodgkin's lymphoma, 
torn knee ligament. All he does is run the ball and hard. He, he actually said that he mirrors his game to Marshawn Lynch, and that's actually a pretty good example of how he plays. A very physical back. Uh, I would love to see this kid succeed at the next level. Oh, I think he will succeed at the next level. He's probably going to be a day three pick. He didn't test especially well in Indy. But he's not, obviously, 2016, he went over 1,000 yards coming back from cancer, which is very impressive. He lost the 2015 season to, like you said, the knee injury. And then that December, he was diagnosed with lymphoma, which he beat. He had the same disease that Eric Berry did. 2014, he was the ACC Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, obviously, the talent is there. And, you know, by the time he hits the NFL, he'll be another year removed from tearing up his knee. He'll be another year removed from the chemotherapy treatments, which have to just – I can't imagine going through something like that and then trying to work out or practice or something like that. So I'm right there with you. He's a kid that it's nearly impossible not to root for him. And uh, I think that the team that rolls the dice on him, it's for, like I said, probably going to be day three. They're going to be glad they did. You know, he's one of those guys that's got that Alfred Morris late day three winds up being a starter in the NFL vibe. Are there any other third-day picks that kind of stand out to you a little bit? No, he, he was the big one that was jumping off the page at me. Uh, there's some hidden gems, obviously, all over the place. Uh, but, again, as we've talked about, we've got to wait and see what system drafts them, you know, and how they can be coached up. Uh, so I'm I'm going to not choose anybody else at this point in time. i got to wait and see where they fit in, you know, based upon a particular scheme that they're drafted towards. Uh, but I did touch on like seven or eight of them uh, that should um, provide enough weaponry for now. If there's one more guy that I would probably mention, Brian Hill out of the University of Wyoming. Third, I okay. think, in the FBS last year was 1,800. I think he had 1,800 and some odd yards, 1,860 or something like that. 1,600 plus the year before that. Yeah, he's got that build you're looking for. At the tailback position, according to CBS Sports, he's 6'1", 219. You know, he catches the ball a little bit out of the backfield. He's not terrible in pass protection, which is about the best thing you're ever going to be able to say about a running back coming out of college because, let's face it, slits pick up is just not a priority for most colleges. So most of these guys just don't know how to do it, really. Ezekiel Elliott, once again, was the exception to the rule in that regard and that he was already a decent pass protector. It's one of the reasons he was a top-five pick. Yep. He's a guy that I think, and I'm watching tape of him. He's a guy that always seems like he's running downhill, tough to bring down, picking up tough yardage. Like you said, it's a very deep class. And, of course, everybody wants to know where this year's biggest, strongest, bruising tailback, Donnell Pumphrey, winds up 5'9". This says 178 pounds, which, yeah, maybe if he's got 15 pounds of change in his pockets. Yeah, I think that's pretty he's generous like, at that weight. Yeah, he's like Darren Sproles if you left Darren Sproles in the oven for a little while too long and he shrank. <laughs> but very dangerous. He's got that Sproles vibe so far as his game. I mean, you get him the ball out in space and he'll make you miss. Of course, that might be because he's tiny. But it's, it's a guy that, I mean, I don't know that he's going to be have a ton of fantasy value if only because I don't know the touches are going to be there. But he's a guy that I can see carving out 
a nice little role for himself in the NFL is that third down guy, you know, special teams and that sort of thing. And plus, I if there's two things I love every year in the draft. It's little guys and guys from schools that I've never heard of, where I have to actually like look up where the college is. Like I was writing up a guy today that played at a cornerback that played at Lamar. So I'm like, okay, I have no idea where that is. Looked up Beaumont, Texas, just in case you folks were wondering. And there are a couple of running backs like uh, D'Angelo Henderson, 5'7", 5'7", That's a stocky young man from Coastal Carolina. Yeah, that's a football hotbed. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> there's on CBS Sports, their whole front page of running back prospects, which is the top 25, they have every one of those guys having a draftable grade. So they're calling for upwards of 25 tailbacks to be drafted this year, which I don't know how many were taken last year, but I, I'm guessing the number was maybe a little bit lower than that. And, of course, you know, if we see three, four guys go in the first round, that's, you know, we're only two or three years removed from wondering as day two of the NFL draft dawned when a running back was going to get taken. So it seems things have come around a little bit in that regard, which is cool. I mean, the running back position has already been devalued enough, the poor guys. I mean, it's like I said, you're not going to make a ton of money. You're going out there and taking as much of a beating as any position on the field, vital to a team's success. So you know, I'd like for these guys to be able to make a couple of bucks. Fortnite lands in Jacksonville, man. If, if you're right in Fortnite lands in Jacksonville, TJ Yeldon, we hardly knew you. And, and so, so long, Chris Ivory. Yeah. I can't say that I disagree with you. I mean, I've seen a lot of, you know, I've seen Fournette. I don't know that he'll make it this far, but I've seen two or three mocks that have Fournette going to Cincinnati. You know, and that's the team that has Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard. You know, I just, there's not a lot of job security at the running back position either, which makes it, this position dynasty owners constantly have to be looking at because you never know when your backfield is going to need a boost. I know in the serious dynasty league this year, I mean, I need wide receiver help and not as badly as I need running back help. Right now I've got, I think, Jay Ajayi. And, you know, Peterson hasn't even found a home yet, so I don't even know what kind of value, if any, he's going to have. I was hoping Oakland, but no, Marshawn Lynch has to talk about unretiring and mess that up because – Peterson in Oakland behind that line, if he could have one decent year left. I totally agree with so you. How, you know, how back confident are you about – go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. How confident are you about your new boy, Latavius Murray, behind that awesome new look <laughs> – I'm only being a little sarcastic – offensive line in Minnesota this year? Well, they really seem to be talking him up as a uh, feature three-down back because he is a good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, obviously, it's way too early for us to be able to put the pieces together to see how it's going to look with a uh, renovated offensive line. And who knows what's going to happen with the draft and then uh, July 1st cuts if there's maybe more pieces that come in. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I think that the Vikings will draft at least one running back. They did lose Matt Asadi. He's also a free agent out there. 
So really, they don't have a whole lot in the backfield right now other than Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray. So obviously they're going to have to bring in some more bodies. So there's going to be at least one drafted, if not two, from the Vikings for the Vikings at running back. So I'm kind of curious to see how that unfolds in itself. Uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Uh, going back to what I was going to say, you know, you had mentioned Cincinnati possibly going, getting one of those running backs. I think they're a prime candidate to trade, and that one of those other teams that want a quarterback to trade up. Uh, Cincinnati lost a lot of bodies on the, on the offensive line, and you really can't take a lineman that high. Whereas if they trade down and let someone else trade up and get another pick and then they trade down to a spot to get an offensive lineman, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them do that. No, I think uh, the one mock I did, I think my first offensive lineman came off the board at 20, which is just, that's wild. I mean, we you never see offensive, and I don't know that we'll see it happen this year. I think, it, once again, that's a position where teams have a tendency to kind of get the yips. If you don't have a tackle, you want desperately – to convince yourself that the ones that are there are better than they are. You know, we got a few minutes, and we talked up the running backs and the quarterbacks. So let's talk a little offensive line, because it can have importance to fantasy owners. Your quarterback ain't much good to you on his back, and your running back ain't much good to you if all he does is run into defensive linemen. Uh, who's your top tackle? Is it Ramzik, Garrett Bowles, Cam Robinson? Uh, I, I give Ramzik the slight edge because Wisconsin has brought up some pretty big horses on the offensive line lately that have performed well in the NFL, but it is ever so slightly. I saw actually uh, Mike Mayock came out with his revised updated rankings late this afternoon, and lo and behold, he moved Cam Robinson back up to number one. I was surprised at that. He 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 had Robinson down at number three. Matt Miller over Bleacher Horseman beating the drum for Garrett Bowles probably a month and a half. And I can see, I think Bowles might have the most maybe upside of those three, but it may take him a little while to realize it. Whereas I think with Robinson and Ramzik, you've got a little bit more finished product. I don't know that any of these guys are necessarily, especially on the left side of the line, I don't think that you necessarily plug any of these guys in as day one starters and expect them to be a difference maker. I, you could be looking at them maybe as a right tackle, and it's, just, it's not a great group. And once you get past that, you got like Taylor Moten, Robert Johnson, Antonio Garcia. I mean, none of these guys are blowing anybody away. I think this year's top offensive lineman overall is probably a guard. Now, he played tackle in college, but I think just about everyone expects that Forrest Lamp is going to kick inside at the NFL level. Yeah, that's why I fully expect that he's going to line up a guard instead of tackle. So, yeah. And, you know, it's just it's hard for teams to tr- talk themselves in it. You just don't see guards, generally speaking, go, you know, in the top ten of an NFL draft. Not that it never happens, but it just doesn't happen very often. I mean, I like Lamp. I think he's going to be a fine NFL guard. He's one of those guys, <clears throat> when you watch tape of him, he's mean. I want my offensive lineman. I want my offensive lineman out there pushing people around. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we just saw today what can happen to a team if you miss and reach for that offensive lineman and it doesn't turn out. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams news came out today that they are not going to pick up, shock and amazement, 
the fifth year option on Greg Robinson, which I mean, would you? No, I don't think so. Not one bit. No, well, look at the Vikings with Khalil. I don't think they were heartbroken at all to see him leave. And he was what fourth overall? Didn't he go right behind Trent Richardson? Yeah, he went. He went number four. You're right. And, yeah, and well, and actually, what a bust of a draft class that was. So, I mean, Trent Richardson oh, my three, God. Khalil to four. Yeah. <laughs> well, was that the same draft where it was the two tackles, or am I mixing up my draft? Was that 2013? No, it was before that. 2013 was another clunker. You look at uh. You got Eric Fisher going one. He's done nothing. And Shokel at number two, who's done even less than Fisher has. And this, yeah, there were some bad drafts in there. You know, I think that actually might have been. Oh, now I'm going to have to look. I think the uh, Khalil draft was 2012, which you know the first yeah, pick in that draft. Right. That was the. There was one pick in that top four that worked out. Obviously, Andrew Luck. And Robert Griffin, it looked like he was going to work out until he didn't. And then uh, the Browns were up, so that's when everything went. And didn't they flip-flop with Minnesota? If memory serves, they flip-flopped with Minnesota in that draft. They traded up one think... spot. They were sitting at four. Boy, possibly. Uh, well, I guess my memory is failing me. But now that I'm – yeah, you put that in my in my mind. Yeah, I think that did happen. Yeah, because the Vikings weren't so set on Trent Richardson, but they wanted to tackle, and they knew it could, they could wait. Yeah, I think you're absolutely yep. right. Minnesota traded it to Cleveland for their first round, fourth round, fifth round, and seventh round. So they, Minnesota got a bucket full of picks for Cleveland to move up one spot and select a running back who wasn't worth off. You remember what I said about the Browns like to screw up first round picks? Well, they had two that year, folks, and Check out this second pick. Oh, this is going to make me sad. Oh, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. I really don't because it's going to make me weepy. Pick number 22, which if Cleveland Browns ever select a quarterback at double deuce, you know he's going to be terrible. That's the spot they took Johnny Manziel in. And it's also the spot where in said 2012 draft, they drafted a 28-year-old rookie named Brandon Whedon. Well, uh, and if you recall, number 22, when he went up on the board uh, to walk up and get his uh, hat, he gave that big show-me-the-money sign. Yeah, where's your money now, Johnny Manziel? Yeah, and let me rattle off a few of the players who went just after. <clears throat> Brandon Lee. Chandler Jones was picked before him, so I can't fault Cleveland for not picking him. After him was Riley Reese, who's the Mediocre tackle, so I'm not worried about that. Then came David Castro, who's become a very good guard. Donta Hightower, who just got a nice little stack contract, play linebacker. Kevin Zeitler, who's the Browns just handed all the money to, made him the highest paid guard in the NFL. The Vikings took Harrison Smith at number 29 that year. Fine. Young safety. I mean, I just, oh, my goodness. I'm going to put my face through my computer. Cordy Glenn did get Cordy Glenn went forty first overall in that draft and I can remember people bagging on him for the Bills for taking him. Yep. Well he turned out to be better than Khalil or Reese or 
See, Buffalo doesn't always get them wrong. See, Cleveland always gets them wrong. Buffalo will sprinkle in a couple of good picks with all that bad. Well, not just sure haven't been bad, E.J. Manuel. <laughs> E.J. Manuel. Yeah, now there well, was a bad quarterback they... class because wasn't Manuel was the first quarterback taken that year, wasn't he? And he didn't go until I think sixteenth. That's a Geno Smith draft. That was the cursed draft of 2013, which was just a turkey. Yeah, Geno Smith and EJ Manuel were the top two, and I had hopes. I had such high hopes for EJ Manuel, and he just he uh, messed up the bed, as it were. I mean, listen, listen to this. Miserable top ten. Got Eric Fisher one, Jokel two, Deion Jordan three, wow. <laughs> Lane Johnson four, who's a decent tackle when he's not suspended. Vicky Antha, who I'm not going back on the lines for that pick. Granted, he had a bad year last year, but he was hurt, and that's not, you know, it's not like you can't really say he's been injury prone. Artevius Mingo for the Browns at six. Remember what I said about them screwing up for some picks. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Cooper, Jonathan Cooper to the Cardinals at seven. Since then, I think he's been traded and released, maybe released more than once. Kayvon Austin at eight, who's done nothing. D. Milliner at nine, nothing. James Warmack at ten, nothing. D.J. Fluker at eleven, nothing. D.J. Hayden at twelve, nothing. <laughs> Sheldon Richardson, who's a Sheldon Richardson at 13, who's a good player, although he's about to get traded, all indications are by the Jets, which I get that. You've got Leonard Williams. You've got Mo Wilkerson. You just paid Wilkerson a ton of money. So I think we're going to see Richardson moved probably on draft day. I don't think anything's going to happen until then, but I think we'll see. I was I saw Dallas mentioned. I don't know about Richardson in the 4-3 necessarily. I also saw Denver mentioned which depending on what they have to give up to get, I mean, if they can get Sheldon Richardson for, say, a four, uh, if I'm dead, I'd do that deal all day long. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I know you got to take – it would be a nice kind. I know they were in on Calais Campbell until right at the end, and he wound up signing with Jacksonville, but that's not a bad consolation prize at all. No, I totally agree with you, yeah. And I think Clay has even said, I think he took a little bit less money for Jacksonville, but he said he thought he fit the scheme there much better. I think from what I understand, Jacksonville offered one more million a season. I think Denver was offering 14 million a year and Jacksonville offered 15. And I think the guarantee in Jacksonville was substantial because they guaranteed half that money. It's a four year, $60 million deal and 30 million of it is guaranteed. So that's, that's a pretty good chunk of guaranteed cabbage for a guy who's 31. Very so, true. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think Denver was too upset about it. Cause I think they, I know they deny this 47 times, but I think Denver kind of had plans for that cap space. If they couldn't get Calais Campbell, a certain quarterback who's now no longer a quarterback who decided rather than get hit, he's just going to sit next to Jim Nance and spare sports fans everywhere from having to listen to Phil Sims anymore. But he has not. I don't, I don't know. He, he has not turned in his paperwork yet. Yeah, I know. I don't think he's going to. He said he doesn't have any plans to do anytime soon. And, you know, maybe if there's an injury in training camp, we'll see some team try to lure him out. But I've given that they 
elevated him from the get-go to the number one broadcast team for CBS, I would have to think that comes with a nice little paycheck. And it's a paycheck where you're not practicing and running around all day. And when you go out there on Sunday, you're sitting in a nice booth and just calling the game as opposed to having defensive linemen plow into your bad back over and over again. So, you know, maybe Tony just decided it was time to move on. Seen a lot of discussion on, is Tony Romo a Hall of Famer? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know. No, if Tony Romo, then why ain't Boomer Esiason in the Hall of Fame? Boomer Esiason played in the Super Bowl. It's not the Hall of Very Good. It's the Hall of Great. And not that Romo was not an excellent quarterback, and I don't blame him for the lack of postseason success the Cowboys had to the extent that some people do. I mean, there are 11 people on the field for each team. It's not all on the quarterback. But, no, I mean, Romo was not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, I don't think it's especially close. Donovan McNabb played in the Super Bowl, and hes I don't see McNabb getting in the Hall of Fame anytime soon. We're going to let Tony Romo in ahead of him? No, I don't think so. Well, folks, that is it for quarterbacks and the running backs in this week's edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. Next week, we may or may not have a special guest. I will make you wait in suspense to find out who that is. We will be talking about the wide receivers. It's a nice class. Get some Corey Davis. Well, Mike Williams, because, you know, we need more wide receivers named Mike Williams. And, of course, John, J.R., four-point. Yeah, are we going – because, you know, once Chris Johnson ran the 4-2-4, we start calling him C.J. 4-2-4. Does that mean that John Ross is now J.R. 4-2-2? Hmm. Maybe a nickname has been made, folks. We'll see. Hey, I I like John Ross. He's got Brashad Perriman's – Type he's got well actually he's got better speed, but he has that one thing that Rashad Perriman did not have, the ability to you know catch a football, which is kind of important for receivers. At least that's my understanding of how the game works. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk a little tight end action. There are some intriguing prospects at that position this year, and we saw some rookie tight ends make a little bit of noise last year. You know Hunter Henry did all right for the San Diego Chargers. And this year, I think we've got a little bit more of those athletic field-stretching downfield weapons that it's another thing. There are two types of NFL teams, teams that have one and won't let them go, and teams that really would like one. And I think you can make an argument that O.J. Howard and David Njoku from Miami both kind of fit that blend, although each also has warts, so should make for an interesting discussion. As always, sir, I appreciate you taking the time to talk a little fantasy football. Look forward to it very much next week. Thank you very much. The pleasure has been mine, as always. And everybody out there, have a great Easter. Uh, Remember the reason why we celebrate out there, folks. I don't need to push that any further. I think everybody knows what I'm referring to. But uh, just everybody remember what Easter really means. Have a good week. Jesus rose from... Jesus rose from the cave and gave a rabbit the ability to lay chocolate eggs, right? <laughs> yes, there you go. See, I, I thought I had it right. See, I paid, it, there you I go. paid attention in Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs>